So what we're exploring now is the issue of Israel and their salvation. And Paul is very concerned about this because he's just uh, spent those glorious passages with us, uh, Romans 8, verses 31 to 39, where he says that if God is for us, who shall be against us? Can anything be against us? Can Christ uh, be against us? No, God has justified us, and he is convinced that we are more than conquerors and persuaded that neither death nor nor life, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Which brings Paul then to the issue, then why hasn't Israel been saved? And uh, then he launches into that deep concern he has. He says, I'm not lying. I, I bear this on my heart all the time. I'm in great sorrow, continual grief over them. Uh, I wish I could be cursed, he said myself, from Christ, if it would save my brethren. What an incredible statement that is. And uh, then he says, um, uh, for they are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all um, the eternal blessed God. Amen. What an incredible definition or description of Israel. This is talking about the literal people uh, that God uh, brought through Abraham. But then he says, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Now, here so many Christians say, well, ah, now I see what the answer is. This is uh, Paul explaining that uh, Israel is not the literal people of God, but uh, the spiritual ones, the ones who believe. And so uh, when he's explaining that uh, uh, God has not uh, forgotten Israel, he's talking about the ones who have faith in him. Well, I'm sorry, but I must tell you, you cannot and you must not interpret it like that. Why do I say that so emphatically? Because you are neglecting Romans chapters 10 and 11. You cannot interpret these things in isolation. Paul is talking out of both sides of his mouth when he says that literal Israel will be saved. That is clear from uh, the study that we will go through in chapter 11 as well, and, and that that literal Israel will ultimately become, become spiritual Israel. We must understand this in the way of um, the uh, full a study of Romans 9, 10, and 11. As I said yesterday, you cannot um, simply choose your chapter versus somebody else who chooses his chapter. You can't choose chapter 9, whereas somebody else chooses chapter 11. And uh, they both seem, uh, on the first uh, appearance, to contradict each other. No, they don't. Paul is a logical, clear thinker. He's not likely to stumble over his own arguments. This is very, very clear. The tendency among so many Christians is to pluck out their verses that support their opinions. I'm sorry, you must stop doing that. You cannot pluck out verses that support your simple opinion. You must subject yourself 
and um, apprentice yourself to the Word of God. The Bible is not something that you um, stand on where those verses um, support your position and you are like an island uh, in isolation supporting your position and putting your flag where your particular verse is. That is idolatry. It is using the scriptures to exalt your own ego. What we must do is become servants of God's word. And I grant you that that is a challenge to me as much as to anyone else. But being a servant of God's word is recognizing that it stands over us. It um, uh, rules over us, as it were. And we uh, seek to understand what it is saying. And the only way that is done is, is by recognizing each book, as I said yesterday, as having an introduction, a development of its body, the body development, and the conclusions drawn from that development and introduction. It's like doing a, a study, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, in high school or college, where you have to do a book review. You must be willing to subject yourself to the message of the author. I remember in college, or uh, yes, college it was, um, Bible college, where we were required to read a certain book that none of us in class liked. It seemed to be just over the top, something we didn't prefer. And the professor insisted that we apprentice ourselves to the author. We do not give the uh, give our opinion about what the author says until we have clearly understood what his message and intent is and was. It's the same with Scripture. You cannot simply um, career along with Bible texts that support the opinion you have traditionally held. You have to go to the Word and be willing to say, All right, I submit myself to what you have to say. Tell me what it is. And that's what we do with this. You see, Paul, in this, with these verses, when he says, but it is not that the word of God had taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. That's correct. All um, people who put their trust in God based upon his promises to Abraham are the seed of Abraham. Why, though, is Paul saying that? Because he's saying that God is working with Israel not as a whole nation to begin with, not because they are simply the literal seed of Abraham. He's working with them by faith, just as he's working with the Gentiles by faith. But that does not discount the fact that God, uh, that Paul is going to say in Romans ten and, and uh, Romans eleven, that literal Israel is within the promises of God. Also, remember that he has said. 
rather that he says there, and so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, that the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, Zion is literal Israel, Jacob is literal Israel, for this is my covenant with them, there the covenant with literal Israel, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Why? Because they do not believe right now. But concerning the election, they are beloved. And so, you see, literal Israel, even though not believers, are still elected, and the election are called to salvation, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That is, they are not to be withdrawn. Now, I'm just jumping ahead there to give you some um, encouragement to keep reading ahead. Don't stop with Romans 9. Go through Romans 9, 10, and 11. So the point that Paul is making in chapter 9 is that God has not forsaken Israel. He's working with them. And how is he doing that? Well, he's drawing individuals out of Israel and segments of Israel into the faith life. How do we know that? Because of what he says uh, that follows. Let me read verse 8 for connection. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, they are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Now, why in the world does Paul use that verse? Because he is illustrating that salvation, that rather the promise of a child, the promised seed, was not to come by the natural process of sexual intercourse, even though Abraham and Isaac would have been sexually intimate. Nevertheless, the promise did not come by that process. For he says, this is the word of the promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. That is to say, God will visit Sarah and the Holy Spirit will impregnate her and she will become fertile by the power of God. It will not be by the power of Abraham. That's the whole point of the story and the history of Abraham and Sarah. They are to be given a child, not simply at an old age uh, that makes it seem impossible that that uh, uh, Abraham's um, semen and uh, rather sperm and uh, Sarah's ovum could be fertile. Rather, they were given the child at that old age because it was God's time to visit them. That's the whole point of the message. God saves people by visiting them. God saved you by visiting you, not you going forward and visiting him. Yes, that was a response to God's visit to you. But the, the truth of the matter is that you came to Christ because God came to you. And this is what Paul is uh, leading people towards. It's all about grace. It's all about mercy. It's not about keeping the Ten Commandments that we so faithfully try to perform, and as a result, God saves us. It is not our reach up to God. 
It is God's stretch down to us. That's what the salvation is all about. For this is the word of the promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. And so the whole process of uh, the firstborn being the one who is part of the promise is turned over and turned upside down here. Now we're entering into this subject of election, and that scares people a lot. But I have made the point clear, I think, and I will make it again, that election is not God's process of electing some and predestining and rejecting others for eternal hell. That is a demonic doctrine. Whether Christians, certain Christians hold it or not, it is demonic. The truth that is clearly brought to the fore here in chapters 9, 10, and 11 is that some of the people in the old ancient days in Israel were elected. Then a special group of people were elected at the time of Paul among the Israelites. Then all the Gentiles were elected. Then the whole of Israel is elected. Then the whole of the world is elected. That I'm going to show, and that is very, very clear if you will study faithfully, Romans 9, 10, and 11. It, yes, it throws the message of salvation up in the air, but it comes down safely with far greater news than we ever dreamed of. Hello there, thanks for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. This is a broadcast you can hear on your smartphone, download SoundCloud or podbean.com and uh, key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Please would you consider a donation. Funds are terribly short right now and it's difficult to continue, but God will help me. And so send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. I do appreciate all the notes you send as well. It is very encouraging. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless.